the podcast where we review books. Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adults, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, talk, read, and discuss young adult fiction from the past, the future, and now. Woo! How are plague times treating you, Kira? Uh, it is... It is definitely happening. The libraries have now been closed for, at the time of recording, a week. Um, when this comes out, because we're recording it so far in advance. Um, when this comes out, I might be back at work, but I honestly don't think so. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been stuck in my house for four days now, and my house is really clean. Really, really clean. And it's very pleasant also, to be in as a result. We're recording episodes like two weeks in advance. Um, this episode, it's the 20th of March. This episode won't be out for like five, three weeks. Yeah. I wouldn't well, be surprised if we had recorded like three more episodes between now and then. Yeah, because I'm also doing the work from home thing, which means I'm writing a lot of handover documents and mending a lot of socks. I, um, I'm i playing Animal Crossing. Oh, my I friend got, Holly's also doing that. I got the new, the new Animal Crossing and I'm playing it. I started that today. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I, I, I work in a library. I'm either at work or I'm not. What I've been doing is, so someone uploaded onto Facebook the timetable that they're keeping their kids to, Mm -hmm. which involves like morning walk, morning academic time, no screens, creative time, lunch time, chore time, afternoon academic time, screens allowed this time. And I'm following something very similar to that. I used this guide for like parents of seven year olds to like make myself a little schedule. Mm -hmm. So my sister is a personal trainer. I asked her to make me a personalized workout I can do every day after work to give myself like a close the book feeling on that. Um, I'm trying to make sure I get outside twice a day. I'm very lucky to have a garden, kind of more of a patio than anything, but I can go outside but yeah, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, cool. You want to do this book? Yeah, so Kira, what did you read this week? Um, I read The Raging Quiet by Cheryl Jordan, which is not mm-hmm. the book that I said at the end of the last pod I was going to record, but I couldn't get Well, all you said at the end of, of the last pod was that it was going to be something gay, because I, I edited out the other one. Um, okay, but this is not gay. <laughs> You lied to us. You lied to me. I had been planning on doing Mallory Blackman's Knots and Crosses, but unfortunately, due to COVID-19, the library's delivery system had to stop and I couldn't get a copy of the book. But I did have a copy of this book. So this and it's actually one of my absolute favorite books from when I was a teenager. I have read this book like at least 10 times. So we're gonna I don't think I know it at all. It it is a hidden gem, like a proper hidden gem. The author herself, uh, Cheryl Jordan, is pretty prolific. She has she has over twenty published works between books for like picture books, middle grade fiction, and young adult fiction. She has over twenty books published. Mm-hmm. And this book came out she's from New Zealand, so that also like kind of affects how much of it got to here. Um, yeah. My understanding is that her young adult books, particularly the Jupiter game, are more popular over that side of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but this book was published in 1999. So it's been around a while. 30 I think I've heard 30 the title, years. but nothing else. Like, I recognise the title the same way as, like, I'd recognise a Shakespeare quote. Like, oh, I've heard that somewhere. Um, it could be due to our friendship because I have loved this book for going on 15 years now and I have mentioned it a number of times. I think I possibly mentioned it actually on one of our previous podcasts, um, Your Welcome Universe, which also mm-hmm. features um, a deaf protagonist. 
Okay, so the raging quiet in this is the deafness, I guess. Yes. So the deaf character in this is not our point of view character, but he is like the sec he is the, the the second main character. Do you want to maybe do author talk first, or is it just that she has lots of books? Is that all we know? She's from New Zealand, born in 1949. Uh, She has won a number of awards and she did a fellowship in the University of Iowa during Mm -hmm. her time in the United States. And this book came about in part due to her experience working as a teacher's aide with deaf children. Mm -hmm. And this book is also set in the past. And a number of her other books are also set in the past. Um, so it's historical fiction. And then she also won the Margaret Mayhew Medal for her contribution to children's literature, publishing and literacy in 2001. Cool. So is she, she still writing? Um, her most recent work was 2013. Okay, so um, perhaps not. So perhaps not. She would be... 80? She would be 80 now, so she is possibly not writing currently. You know what? She deserves a bit of a break. But she was writing into her 70s, so um, she could be I working on I feel like it's something. a tough habit to break. Like, Terry Pratchett's brain was kind of disintegrating around him and he was still writing, you know? Yeah. I mean, all of her previous works, kind of from the early 80s up until 2003, came out on an almost two to three year schedule. So Mm -hmm. it has been a while, seven years, but Mm -hmm. could just be taking her longer these days, you know? Very fair. So um, this book is set historically, is it set in historical New Zealand? So when I read the book, I always understood it to be medieval rural Britain. Mm -hmm. Learning that she's from New Zealand makes me wonder if perhaps it's set in New Zealand, but I th- I think that it's not. Is it kind of generic European setting? It's generic European. Um, there's a bit about sheep, so maybe it's New Zealand. <laughs> like, there's a lot of sheep around. I but know it is... a little bit about the introduction of bumblebees to New Zealand, but I know pretty much nothing about the introduction of white people to New Zealand. Um, the characters as a whole don't necessarily have like skin color given oh, okay but i don't think that they had a feudal system okay interesting so it's a maybe parallel university or is it, it like how you don't necessarily learn a huge amount about the his, about the political system in books when they're about teenagers who don't care about the historical system we learn a little bit um because our main character get, does get involved with the son of a lord so that's a feudal a, system it is a feudal system so i don't think i think that it is i think it is some sort of britain but it's okay. it's like weird like there's no real fantasy as- aspect aspects yeah there's no fantasy aspects to the book but it is that kind of like unknown time period place but roughly we being we're being transported to rural britain kind of like late middle ages 1500s maybe 16 but like sort of pre-renaissance back when there was a bunch of henry's happening definitely back when there was loads of henry's okay um and catholicism was still strong vibing i'm vibing with it because they didn't have protestants yet okay um they might have had protestants there's a lot of church in this and it's it is unclear whether it's um protestantism or catholicism okay let's not get into the we won't get into the, the um the sh- protestant the revolution or whatever it's called what else do i need to tell you for background i think that's kind of it so i'm gonna do i'm gonna get into the book if that's cool okay. with you absolutely um, so we have our main character is marnie and she is 17 years old and we meet her as she and her new husband, Isaac. Oh. They're moving to this new town called Takora, which is actually more of like a village That's than a, a town. That's a big life change. Were they from a different village or rural area or what's the story? They were from a different village about 
a day's a day's cart ride away. Okay. A couple of leagues away then, a few miles. Leagues. So she has left her entire family to go be married to this man, Isaac, who is twice her age. And she is his, her, she is his second wife because he has been widowed. So he's like 35ish. Yeah, he's in his mid to late 30s. She is 17ish. Okay, and he's not from this village. He's decided to uproot his whole life with the 17-year-old. So, we get the story of why they've moved via via kind of like Marnie reflecting on her life before as the book goes on. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to give you to you in just one big info dump. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so Marnie's father. Um, so he was he was like the land manager in the village where they were living, which meant that if there was like any problems in the village, people came to him and then he brought them to like the next rung up who would bring them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he gets injured, and that means that he can no longer. I think he has a stroke, actually. But they he don't gets know injured. the words for that. He had a funny turn. <laughs> he had a funny turn, and as a result of this, he is no longer able to do his duties to the to the lordship. Mm-hmm. And for a while, they allow them to keep living in the in the big house that they have. And by big house, I mean like a nicer cottage than the other cottages Mm -hmm. which is significant because Marnie has quite a number of siblings Mm -hmm. and she is the eldest and so and so and her next brother like isn't her her next sibling down is also a girl the the oldest son is like 12 years old so there isn't really anyone to take over the duties of the father Mm -hmm. and even they're isn't even really like someone to take over the duties of running the land that they have mm-hmm. so the lord wants to move them to a smaller crop share and to promote someone else to be the new land manager mm-hmm. and then and they should by rights also get the land manager's house because yeah. it's it, it, it it's a status a thing yeah yeah but marnie has caught the eye of the Lord's second son who is Isaac who is our widowed twice her age man Mm -hmm. and he goes to her mother and her father and propositions them that they can remain on the land that they're currently on if Marnie will will marry him essentially cool Um, that's not coercive at all it's not and Marnie is technically given a choice and Mm -hmm. like her mom and her dad do like ask her opinion on all this but like what choice do you have of letting her family be homeless or marrying this guy who's 30 yes and also due to her father's like illness he has like lost all means of communication he can't he can't really move very much and he also can't communicate mm-hmm. um, but Marnie thinks that he has like he, he he has never liked Isaac yeah and Marnie is like I don't think he wants me to do this but my mom very clearly like needs this yeah. and it will bring her up in the world like it's not a it's a m- good marriage like on paper it's a good marriage on paper it works out great for everyone mm-hmm. so Marnie agrees to marry him. They're married kind of quickly, like mm-hmm. not alarmingly fast, but also like faster than one would expect. And so the family is now well set due to Marnie's actions. Marnie then Isaac is like we're going to move to this cottage that my grandmother left me in her will, and it's the only thing that I got from her when she died. And like, it was a bit of a scandal that he got so little, and the other brothers got more and things like this. Mm-hmm. Women owning but, property, eh? Hey, so they moved to this cottage, and it is run down. Mm-hmm. It's really run down. But I actually need to hold back 
a second. Okay. Because when they arrive in the village, that's where our book starts. They arrive in the village and Isaac immediately, they haven't got back, they haven't got to the cottage and Isaac is like, we, I am going to go sate my thirst and have an ale or two and you mind all of our worldly possessions God. out here in the cars. Cool. That's so nice of him. Yeah. What a great partnership like, this marriage is. He's a real swell guy. He's not. Because like um, the age difference. Okay. Um, We've talked before about how like in history it wasn't as normal for very young people to get married and stuff and like we should stop normalizing that but like that kind of age difference was not unusual but yeah that kind of shitty behavior is why in all of Jane Austen's novels the most important thing for all the love interests is that you like know that he's a good like lord and respectful to the people on his estate and respects women before you marry him like mm, bad bad seems like um, isaac doesn't he does not respect marn very much at all um so he goes and has his pints and while marnie is out in the car she witnesses the local mad boy being whipped and cool. she and the priest then stopping the locals from whipping him and she gives him what was supposed to be their dinner which is like a loaf of bread and some cheese mm-hmm. because she feels very bad for him um and a number of hours later isaac eventually leaves the pub and comes out to marn and is pissed drunk they go find the the cabin where they're gonna live and like it is ramshackle no one has lived there in at least a generation mm-hmm. it's got the the roof is falling down the walls are pretty solid but the roof is falling down in places it's not a great place to live and he's immediately like let's move in and also i'm drunk and it's nighttime, and you're my wife now so i'm going to have sex with you ah uh, that sounds like um, a bad day for marnie yeah and marnie like tries to put it off a lot um but he does he does have sex with her and by sex with her i mean he does rape her that sucks it does suck it's not very vivid in the book um i think that possibly at my youngest reading it i didn't pick up how non consensual it was Mm -hmm. but on later readings i was like oh oh this is bad that is (laughs) very bad Hmm. um have they listen i don't i don't know if we get this information but is that their Mm -hmm. first is that their marriage bed is that their first time that is their first time oh gosh yeah and marnie's first time ever also which becomes significant later um next day is their second day of marriage fuck (laughs) bad day for the parish Um, terrible day for the parish yeah and isaac goes into town leaving marnie all alone and while he while marnie is alone the wild boy comes to the door of the house and is like banging on it and banging on it and making like all these gruntle non like vocal noises but not any words or anything that resembles words Mm -hmm. and she's just like he's like a wild animal at the door and he's just banging on it and banging on it and then he and she like retreats inside the house and will not let him in and like tells him to go away and eventually he does leave was he he living there um it would appear later in the book that he had been spending some nights there that kind of sucks for him huh it does suck for him he has become further ostracized by not even having this ruined cottage did he have a family what's this you're gonna tell me these things i'm gonna tell you these things we'll get to him um but when she goes outside after he's left she discovers that he has brought like a welcome basket from the priest Mm -hmm. and she feels really bad that she didn't let him in um and then isaac comes back from the village he has brought hay to fix the roof and he's brought a load more alcohol because that is what that is what this man does that is he what drinks. isaac is about yep um 
and then so he sets about they, he sets about drinking mm-hmm. i'm gonna be honest he sets about drinking marnie makes him some lunch he sets about drinking and then he sends her to the village to go guess i don't know he sends her to the village to go get something i can't mm-hmm. remember what um and he goes off to set fix up the roof okay yeah and when marnie comes back she discovers that he is dead because he has very drunkenly fallen off the roof he actually falls through the touch mm-hmm. um and hit his head on the fireplace and died nice so, i mean bad yeah. for him but hey uh stops him raping his wife it does so marnie like legs it back down to the village gets the priest and on her way she's saying things like it's all my fault it's all my fault because she's like should have been should have told him not to go up the ladder while he was drunk i shouldn't have let him drink as much those are the reasons why she believes it's his her fault Mm -hmm. um so she gets the priest and he brings another villager up with them to witness the scene and they are like yes he died we can see that he died of like natural accidental causes like he wasn't murdered mm-hmm. and they go back to the village they organize the funeral all of that and then someone is like so marnie will go back to her people now and marnie is like do i own this cottage mm-hmm. is this is this cottage and its land mine and the priest is like yes they are debt you are legally married all of this land and the cottage is yours and marnie decides she's going to stay fair um and that causes a lot of trouble why because she's an unaccompanied woman yeah she's an unaccompanied woman in not her village she was married for two days and there's a lot of like suspicious suspicion in the village the villagers do not like her and part of the reason that they don't like her is because the mm, on her first day she stopped them beating the shit out of people as well she didn't do that the priest did that okay she kept out of it Mm -hmm. but the the cottage that she is living in was owned by isaac's grandmother Mm -hmm. who was a paramour of the king okay and was wildly believed to have been a witch mm. in the locality. Which is like a so bad she's... vibe to have in the 1400s or whatever. Yeah. So she's living in like the witch's cottage unaccompanied. With a husband uh, who died under seen... mysterious circumstances. With a husband that immediately died and was seen saying it's my fault as she ran for the priest. So there's a lot of things like not in her favor. Yeah, okay, I do see that. Yeah. So she decides that she's going to stay though mm-hmm. anyway. And she makes a really good go of it to be honest. Like she's like I'm able to I was able to like half run my household the household back back home i'll be able to run this one like yeah with a as an eldest child as the eldest daughter of like a large family it might actually be easier for her like now yeah. instead of having to look after like a bunch of little siblings with her mom so like she needs a little bit of charity to start off from the priest um also the the priest is like a a, a proper character within the book so i'm actually going to tell you his name now his name is father brannan I thought you were going to um, just do like a um, a flea bag where he just gets known as the priest. <laughs> no, that would be amazing though. Um, so like between the priest, the money that she does have from Isaac, like there was money, they, they traveled with a li- an amount of money, like not a loss, mm-hmm. but enough to get her going. Um, and she sends because the villagers won't talk to her and stuff she tries sending like the priest to barter for her a few times as well Mm -hmm. um so like she's doing fine Mm -hmm. she gets a chicken nice she gets a goat she's she starts up a garden she's doing well doing well then things become a bit more complicated when the mad boy comes back again Mm -hmm. right and now we have his backstory from the priest because father brennan has told us that his name is Raver. Cool, as in he and, raves. As in he raves. 
And uh, Marnie soon renames him to Raven, and I'm going to call him that for the rest of this. Yeah, that's a bit more polite, I think. Yeah. Um, And basically, he was... He was abandoned in the village at a young age. Some of the people tried to take break, like some of the villagers took him in. One of the families in the village village took him in mm-hmm. and tried to raise him. Found him impossible to raise. He got kind of abandoned again in his early teens. The priest kind of took him in, but also the kid just kind of like comes and goes as he wants. He's now like age 17, 18 maybe 19 it's unclear but Mm -hmm. like equivalent to marnie a little bit older okay so like marriageable age marriageable age perhaps love interest Um, age mm, perhaps um though marnie is traumatized by her original marriage yeah no that would happen yeah um so he comes back and marnie makes a shocking discovery in that she realizes something that nobody else has is that Raven is not in fact mad and ignoring everyone all the time. He is in fact deaf. And therefore all of his like wild noises and and all of this is just him trying to communicate with people and mimicking how he sees everyone else communicate unsuccessfully. And mm-hmm. he's been trying to do this for years and years and years, and people just keep getting angry with him. And and like even the priest is like, I do my best by the boy, but sometimes he'll be standing next to me and he'll be in his own entire world, even though I'm talking to him. And Marnie is like, that's because he can't see that you're talking to him. Yeah, he's deaf. I was going to ask deaf. if this boy was perhaps autistic before you said that, because... I'm aware that um, a lot of the quote-unquote like wild children uh, in history are often autistic people. So like, you know, oh, this boy was raised by wolves. You're like, no, he wasn't. This is an autistic boy. But um, this boy's just deaf, do we think? Or He is deaf. He is deaf. That's the... He is deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, there... Like, other than that, he is... Neurotypical. A fine young, a neurotypical fine young man, um, but because Marnie has made this discovery, she sta- starts trying to talk to him via sign language, mm-hmm. which the two of them make up haphazardly as they go. Yeah. When they first start developing signs, he like bursts into her house one day. She's made this realization, and she starts like trying to, like, come up with signs for him in order to like try communicate so like she does like brings us like brings her hand to her mouth for like a spoon or a fork mm-hmm. and then does different signs and then he gets really excited and starts like jumping around the room and picking up different objects getting her to like name them yeah um and then he gets super frustrated um when he picks up a candle and she doesn't have a name for us mm-hmm. and he like goes into a rage and storms out and then afterwards she like moves her hands so that they kind of like flicker like a candle Mm -hmm. and she's just like yes this is great I have like this way of talking to him but she's also just like damn you Marnie for starting something you can't finish this job is too big for one girl Um, it is a lot to teach to invent a language it is a lot to invent a language and they do get there like it over a course of a number of months they do do it like they they he comes up with words she comes up with words sometimes they like blend words together Mm -hmm. like um at one point they don't have a word for beautiful and so they they like combine the words like moon and good and Mm -hmm. that means beautiful Mm -hmm. so like if something is beautiful it's moon good it's true like my romance heart that's beautiful Um, (laughs) that's moon good it's moon good beautiful oh my god um so their relationship is like kicking off with that Mm -hmm. and he's like coming in and out of the coming in and out of the cottage like visiting her he sometimes sleeps in like the doorway after she realizes that he's been using the cottage to sleep 
when weather is really bad mm-hmm. he, she kind of like lets him sleep outside but like in the protection and then he eventually ends up sleeping like inside mm-hmm. um, and he also has like places in the fields that he goes mm-hmm. and the priest also like takes care of him a little bit especially now that he's like oh he's spending so much time with you and that's why he's not spending time with me he gives her like a little bit extra support then as well because he's like you're taking care of two people the priest is super nice he does seem to Um, be like a lot nicer than i guess i i was fearing he might be um so backstory on the priest is he gay he used to be he is not damn or at least is unconfirmed. He's a priest. He's celibate. He has no love interest in the book. It just it tends to make people more empathetic. He he has had a traumatizing event. Mm-hmm. So the priest is kind of in like his late forties, early fifties ish. Mm-hmm. You know, um, priest age. So priest age, getting on in years. And when he was a young priest and he first arrived at this village, he was all like brimstone and fire and he was ready Mm -hmm. to put the fear of the lord into every single person who came up to him and one night when he was writing this like particularly fierce sermon a beggar came to the door and asked for something and he told the beggar to go away and to like leave him alone and wasn't didn't he know he was busy like go disturb someone else Mm -hmm. basically and the next more and then that night he dreamed that like it was jesus that came to the door Mm mm-hmm and that he had like and the the scene replays the exact same way where he except that he's asking jesus to stay he's like no come in come in and jesus is like no you turned me away i have to leave and he's just like oh my god i was so heartless i've been asking people to to do all this good and i haven't been doing it myself and when he opens the door the next day the beggar is dead on his doorstep remember when jesus said whatever you do to the onto the least of my brothers and sisters you do unto me yeah Yeah. and this and father brannan had that uh had that lesson Mm -hmm. and as a result he is very empathetic that's good i mean tricky that you had to get through that but um, mm-hmm. glad it you grew and improved as a result. Yeah, so that's part of the reason why he is like so very good. How long um, can these guys be living this unconventional idyllic life before uh, you know, people start complaining about the spending time before marriage thing? So people don't know that he's sleeping there. Okay. So that's helping, but. And also, Marnie doesn't go into the village very often. Mm-hmm. Again, helping. But when she does go into the village, she goes into the village with with Raven at one point, and people see her talking with her hands, mm-hmm. and him talking with his hands, and they're like and they a witch. That he has, uh, yeah, but and they also see that like he is behaving in the manner in which we tend to expect a person to behave when going to the market and because they've been because they've been like they've been talking more like with their hands and stuff but also marnie has been helping him to like figure out the mouth sounds for certain words Mm -hmm. so he is now able to like kind of say flour and bread and stuff so Mm -hmm. she gives him the money and is like tell them you want bread Mm -hmm. and they're like what is this witchcraft that she has it's like she's talking with her faint hands she's gotten she's gotten the wild mad boy who we were previously like whipping the devil out of to be like a a stand-up gentleman in the community what is going on with all of this so they're super suspicious of her and she's living in the witch's house and misogyny so if it was the priest who'd done this they'd be like wow the power of god did it yes um and also the priest is spending quite a lot of time with her so is she also seducing him to the way of the devil is she is she yeah basically is she putting her magic on the priest as well so that's kind of all going on and then and then it's coming up to like 
the midsummer fair mm-hmm. and Marnie decides that she's going to travel home to see her family and things like really kick off then because her family thinks when she arrives with Raven in tow oh okay I didn't think she'd do that yeah with Raven in tow that she's like moving back and she's like no 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 I'm going to continue to live in my in my cottage in my in nice village. house with where I don't yeah. have to share a bedroom with two sisters three maybe four yeah and um there's also like some issue of the fact that there's like some controversy over the fact that like she married Isaac and they had this deal that they would because of the marriage her family would be able to stay where they are in the house but like he's dead now and like how hard how does that hold up and stuff like this and depends how official the agreement was I guess like it it seems to be lasting Mm -hmm. but one of his brothers is causing like a little bit of ruction and basically being like I have more power than you do your marriage was legal and binding but like how valid is a two day marriage anyway well they consummated Um, so that counts it counts it yeah um because here's the thing that brother wants the cottage does the cottage have secret money in it or something yes okay so because oops because Good the guess. <laughs> it, it isaac also talked about how the cottage was worth more than all the lands of Ab- like all of his father's lands and it was worth the most of of any of the the things that the brothers have been given by the grandmother. So is it and like, oh, she, she's got a token from the king in there that like is worth so much and everyone's like, oh my God, we must find her secret wealth. But like when they find it, it's actually just a love note and she's like, I treasure this more than anything else. This dead woman. Um, no, there, there is an actual token and it is worth a loss. Okay. Marnie, it's there's it's a, it's a ring. Mm-hmm. They find us, and Marnie finds it when she's cleaning the chimney one day, like, it, and she doesn't think of it anything of it. Like it falls from the chimney. Raven picks it up and is like, "Ooh, a ring," and she's like, "Oh, it's kind of gaudy," and like it's a man's ring anyway. So she just like hands it off to Raven and is like, "Whatever," mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't come back around for like fifty pages or something. She's like, "This is an ugly motherfucking ring. Tasteless. Okay." Yeah, um, and it's because it's just covered in jewels and stuff, and she's like, "Oh, it's gaudy." But I don't, like ugh, in the Middle Ages, that was ring. totally in fashion. Yeah, I know, but not for our girl. Our she's girl cool wants that. a simple life in a cottage. Yeah, is the reason you love this uh, book so much because, as a bisexual, you love the idea of having a queer romance, but also there's a boy there. <laughs> that is very offensive. I mean, am I not correct though? How is it a queer romance? Because they're both outcasts from society and finding like love in each other and it's suspicious and everyone's like, what the fuck is this? This doesn't seem right. I'll allow it. Because yeah, no, that is the reason why I love the book. I wouldn't have described <laughs> it. I wouldn't have put it as 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 bisexualness, but I, I see it. I see it. Yeah. They have a beautiful queer romance and it's just also really nice that they could get legally married at the time. It is really nice. Um, So her trip home like really emphasises just like how much of an outcast she is. Her mom is like horrified that she's brought this boy home. The villagers are like, oh, she's here to stay. A lot of people are looking for where the baby is. What? Did she not send a letter? No, but like, n- not where the husbands, but like on the assumption that this marriage had to do with like a secret baby. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Mm. And like one of the kids asks, is like, did you lo- like, where's, did you lose the baby? And she teases and is basically like, she's already had this like whispered behind her back. And then one of the children, like not one of her siblings, just one of the village children of her hometown is like, did you lose the baby? And she's like, oh, I just set it down one day and couldn't find it again. <laughs> and I'm like, Marnie, you are not helping your situation. Okay, so now they're going to think that she killed her baby. She's enchanted the wild man. She seduced a, 
a priest. She killed her husband. And now she owns a house. Things things are not going... Like, things are going well for Marnie, but... There's some stuff on the horizon, isn't there? Yeah. When she gets back home to her cottage... Mm -hmm. um, So, Raven has been going out at at night and like at different times and just like hanging out in the field and being his wild self lovely love that uh, for because him. like he kind of like raised himself a little bit in the fields where nobody would like hurt him or anything at one point they catch a rabbit in a trap and he can't kill us because he's like it's it's rabbits are my friends mm-hmm. essentially and marnie ends up having to like heal the rabbit's broken leg so that they can let it go again. Um, Real soft boy here. He's such a soft boy. And she's like, you eat chicken and you eat fish. And he's just like, I know, but I don't, I can't. Rabbits are my friends. Oh dear. Um, and he, he, they go fishing and like, he doesn't much, he doesn't much like killing the fish either, but he's like accepting of that. Mm-hmm. He's such a soft boy. I love him so much. Um, but one of the things that he does is that Marnie is super Christian, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, at various points in the book, she, like, quotes back word for word, like, Psalms and parts of the Bible to the priest, often to, like, win an argument against him. Nice. Um, And he's just like, oh, I know not to be messing with scripture when, when Marnie, the widow, is around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, and stuff. Um, but raven convinces her to go dancing in the moonlight naked with him at one point okay and they don't and now she i believe he is naked and that she leaves her clothes on Mm -hmm. but he does convince her to go dancing and some one of the villagers sees this and it's like the final it's the final straw and yeah she's she's the local witch now she can't get out of that and so she gets brought up on uh, witch trials. Mm-hmm. Gets brought up to be on witch trials. And they do it. They're so sneaky. They wait until the priest is supposed to be leaving. He's supposed to go to the next village over to like confer with another priest about some other issue. Mm-hmm. And he comes home like just in time to like stop them basically torturing Marnie. But I'm glad she doesn't get tortured because she already had like a rape. And like... I mean, our boy got tortured, so maybe only one torture per person per book, please. I mean, she does still have to go through a trial. Yeah. But he makes sure that like it's above board. Which is super great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he stops them from stripping her to do a, a search for witches' marks. Mm-hmm. Cool. So he's like, if we're doing this, we're doing it respectfully and above board. And so the trial that the village people choose for Marnie is that she has to hold an iron bar that is like red hot and has been placed in the fire and hold it in one of her hands and then walk 13 steps. What is this meant to prove? It's the question of how it heals. Because if it doesn't heal, then... God doesn't love her iron, and she's belonging yeah, to the devil. And I think the iron I think the iron bar has been like doused in holy water before it was set into the fire. Cool, that'll definitely help. Yeah. So if it heals well, then she is not a witch, and if it heals badly, then she is is basically the the thing. And the reason that they've chosen this particular trial is because she speaks with her hands. I think this is really interesting and it's a really interesting uh, Christianization of a myth that goes back really, really far historically because I think even in ancient Greece, if someone died by lightning strike, you weren't meant to bury them Mm -hmm. because it was like, well, they clearly displeased the gods. So we're not going to touch him. So this idea that like, healing and like natural causes are directly a result of like a force that you do not mess with is real cool yeah Yeah. unhelpful in this situation Um, but cool marnie passes the trial 
partly with a little bit of trickery. So the priest like wraps up her hands and the village like villagers like witness it and then she goes back up to her to her cottage to stay there for three days but until like the trial it can be until like it can be rechecked but raven is like your hand is damaged and he and she she's too like she's feverish she's exhausted Mm -hmm. there's just like she cannot explain to him that he can't touch her hand yeah and he takes off the bindings and like washes it and then the priest comes up the next day and he he says he's just bringing like corn or something mm-hmm. or wheat and he um he has the bi- he has like new bindings yeah for her and he seals it up the way that the previous one was sealed up and then they like kind of dirty it up a little bit just so that is it looks like it's been on it all day it looks like it's been on the whole time yeah but it heals up fine and the villagers have to admit that she is not a witch. Nice. As a result. But she feels now at this point that she can no longer stay in the village. Partly because she has been accused of being a witch. And partly because Isaac's brother is still at her to sell the cottage. And is being like really rude about it. Mm-hmm. And is basing the village. Like part of the reason why they came up with this trial and stuff and believed that her to be a witch is because he's been baiting them the whole time mm. like he's been in the village for a couple of weeks now and he's been like oh that wild boy she seems to have tamed him and they're like oh she's tamed him like a and witch ongoing, like a witch um and like they probably would have got there on their own but he's definitely been fan- fanning the flames mm-hmm. um and, and so Marnie decides that she's going to leave and that she's going to sell the property to Isaac's brother. Mm-hmm. And she and can probably get a good price out of him, hey? Yes. And she also decides that... Shouldn't she... Couldn't she be, like, take... the priest's, like, housemaid or something? Wouldn't that be okay? His housekeeper? It doesn't come up as a suggestion. Okay. I think so um, And she also... So she decides that she's going to move to a town where there's more people and that she's going to bring Raven with her and they're going to pose as siblings. Mm-hmm. And the priest is like, ah, but Marn, my dear, there's obviously more than siblingly feeling between you, would you not? And she's like, nope, I've been married and I knew I know what married people have to do and I'm not, it's not happening. I'm so right? sorry about this girl's sexual trauma. But here's the thing. The day before they're going to leave, Raven and Marnie have sex, and it's very nice. (laughs) It's much nicer, is it? It's much nicer. It's very soft. It's very affectionate. Um, Raven just keeps, like, moaning Marn all the time, Mm -hmm. and she's just like, oh, oh, this is nice. So the next day they go down to the priest and they ask him to marry them? <laughs> Retroactively. Can you like set it back a day maybe? Um, and she implies to the priest that she has like done the do. Oh, well, he's used she to implies- it. And he's just like, mm, not in a wink, won't say a thing. Um, Listen, he's a rural he- priest. He's seen it. He's seen it People all. be out there um, gathering nuts in May, you know, fishing in the dark, that kind of thing. One of the things that I really liked about, like, this part of the book is that, like, the priest is like, I will marry you, but you have to, like, assure me that you have explained this properly to Raven. Mm, like, that is good. I'm not just going to, like, tie this boy, boy to you. You, like, even though I think that you should be together and that, but, like have you explained this as well as you possibly can and she's like i have yeah and then he does they he does marry them and she like signs the vows to raven and like the marriage ceremony to raven as it goes so it takes like twice as long as it usually does and all of this but it's really cute they've witnesses the people who witnessed um isaac's death um, and who are they just like the to... village witnesses they're kind of like the people that the priest thinks are the best okay 
He's like, they're good, reliable people. Okay. So, and I think that they might have tried to bring up Raven a bit. Okay. I can't remember which family brought him up. It could have been them. Um, so they get married and then after this, they go to Isaac's brother and is like, okay, I'll sell the cottage to you now. But trick! If they had come before the marriage, he, he would assault it. But she is no longer the wife of Isaac. She is now the wife of raven and so he can just take the land oh shit but double trick she already has the gaudy ring true that is true so and triple trick some kids from the village have decided to burn down the house (laughs) great timing on this move really the twists Um, kira the twists the twists so Marnie is just like, yeah, let it burn down. Let him spend years ru- going through the rubble. And Raven is like, we need to fix the house. And she's like, nah, it's cool. We're going to leave. <laughs> um, and the priest has recognized the ring for what it is. And uh, and is like, you need to sell this really carefully bit by bit. Um, like, where do you even sell that? They go to a town and he gives them the name of someone in the town. And he's like, they're reliable and they will like set you up with someone good this priest has had a wild life i would love to be the kind of friend with this priest where like we get dinner once a month and i'm like so how are you this priest is class i he's my favorite priest honestly um him and marnie have some really interesting discussions about like religion and what it means to be good and moral and like i love that in a priest yeah it's very good um and he's just like marnie you're so i've I've done the book now i'm just talking he's my second favorite priest after horny andrew scott (laughs) the hot priest okay and after as well like every single revolutionary theologian from like um central and south america during the 20th century because those guys were all badass except for the ones that didn't respect women it's okay come on I don't think I have a favorite priest. Uh, no, I I don't really. I'm just like this guy's really cool. Also, I liked Fleabag season two. Also, I like it when you combine Christianity with uh, communism and other leftist politics. Fair enough. Those are all good things to combine. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the book. Him and Marnie do have some really interesting conversations about like morality and ethics, mostly because she is being good and ethical and the townspeople are all being evil yeah um there's some real good and she's she tries to be like oh no i'm not like sometimes i lose my temper with raven and i sit on my hands and i refuse to talk to him and the priest is like stop i want to imagine you as a saint oh Um, okay i think i've read this book have you? I think so, From, yeah. I did the entire plot and in one scene you're like, I might have read this. I just, like, I had inklings where I'm definitely, I definitely picked it up and flicked through it. Like, it's one of the books that was down in the library and I was a voracious reader so I'd kind of pick up. But when you say, like, I do remember a scene of him, like, frantically trying to, like, take her hands out from under her so, like, she'll talk to him and she's, like, refusing to. <laughs> It's a good book. I enjoyed it. (laughs) It's a really good book. One of my favorite things that they do to communicate is um, they have like a small bowl of like little pebbles that they picked up on the beach. Um, And if Marnie is trying to get his Raven's attention from like across the room, she'll like throw a little pebble at his shoulder Mm -hmm. instead of like having to walk over and tap him. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's. I like that. That's very nice, except you want to be really careful about the size of the pebble and the strength of your throat. Like, throw stones at your partner. Get their attention. That's... Terry Pratchett did that. He said (laughs) that, like, the way a dwarf... Sorry, no. A troll um, expresses romantic interest to another troll is to hit them with a rock. I love it. Um, I love it. This is really good. I have to say, and I'm very sorry that this implicitly draws a comparison between monsters and people with disabilities... But a lot of this is reminding me of The Shape of Water, which I watched with my housemates last month, where there's also... Well, this in in The Shape of Water, it's the main character who's deaf, but she yeah. teaches sign language to her love interest, who otherwise has no way to communicate with her. And Because he's a merman. Because he's a merman, yeah. He's the swamp creature. But um, I remember watching that movie and being like kind of disappointed and upset. They hadn't made it very explicitly clear that the Swamp Man 
could understand her and the things she was asking of him because like she would sign egg and he would sign egg back but that's like not a full indication that um this person can consent to sex or a relationship or what have you um so i'm really glad the priest cares about that yeah no the priest does and they do have like full conversations and it is it is really it is really well done um yeah no it's it's one of my favorite books so that's really good i'm I'm looking to i'm looking forward to introducing it to more people via this episode of the podcast and hey so i can talk shit about my least favorite book i've done for the pod unlike (laughs) scatterheart it's an example of how you can have a historically accurate book with like all the difficulties of being a person in the past portrayed accurately and still it not be miserable all the way through yeah at one point they eat lobsters oh very nice because also like up until recently lobsters were not a luxury yeah they were like cat food yeah um but it is it is something to be like oh yeah no they had lobsters they had like they had some joy yummy like seafood they had occasionally like a cottage that you could manage by yourself sometimes there were priests who were sound yeah no it's uh it was a really nice time. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to you tell me about it. Um, you're, you're welcome. I'm not feeling very um, analytic about it. Do you have your highlights and lowlights? Um, highlights and lowlights. Some of the villagers are like fairly one-dimensional mm-hmm. in terms of being like she's evil and a witch. But so they're also, just there with their pitchforks. Essentially, yeah, they are just like all of these. They, they don't. At no point are they like. Maybe she's just a young girl who doesn't want to go back to her own village. But she's not from round here. Essentially, yeah. And that's part of the reason why, like, when they choose to move, she's like, we'll move to a town Mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, somewhere more isolated. Um, And the priest himself is like, I moved here and it took them, like, 15 years to get used to me. Mm -hmm. Some of them still call me the new priest. (laughs) And he's there like 20 or 30 years. Like, yeah, it's... that's accurate to small towns, huh? Yeah. So um, other than that, um, I think I think a lot of the stuff between a lot of like, I've kind of glossed over Marnie and Raven's relationship a little bit, but they have some really sweet, really nice moments when they when they're making up words and things. It's really nice and it's interesting to see like I know that you're really into the origin of words mm-hmm. a lot, and sometimes you look up the names of our people. Mm-hmm. Etymology um, is a thing I like, yes. Etymology. But it's interesting to watch the etymology of their sign language. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes... Because, so, especially right at the start, when they're, like, developing, developing at first, there's bits and pieces there. And some of it has even, like, come from when Marnie's father had his illness and his, his stroke... She used to play a game with like her younger siblings to get them to be quiet and to see who who could stay quiet the longest. And in that, they like developed a lot of like pointing and like ways of communicating with each other mm-hmm. that weren't necessarily sign, but did like help provide a basis. Some of and in that influenced like the way that she then developed sign for for Raven. So Kira, and Raven comes up with words as well. I know that you recently did a course in Irish sign language. Mm-hmm. How? Yes. Like, is the I know not necessarily like the meaning of every word isn't like communicated, but is the language they come up with in any way like similar to sign that you know? Um. Which I- like a lot of like the like. It's difficult to say for, because they're from a, it's from a visual point of view, mm-hmm. and also um, it's not it's not a surefire thing. But like a lot of a lot of sign words are like lean a little bit on the alphabet, and they don't develop an alphabet because neither of them can read. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I guess is shows point. how it would devise like because Irish sign language was. Um, it was based off French sign language and it was taught in schools that were run by yeah. the church. So reading and writing would have been a thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of like the food words I can see kind of like making sense. Like um, 
I think the word for fish is nearly almost is very similar to like the word that I know for fish at, at least based on their description and like breakfast or like eating and stuff a lot of those are like a lot some action words are very intuitive are, are very intuitive um so some of those like the the most intuitive of the words that they have are kind of mm-hmm. I could see that the version that I would know would be some, somewhat similar but it's also like they're not like Cheryl Jordan isn't trying to like create a full language here she's trying to tell a story um, she's trying to tell a story but like she is also influenced with by her own work with deaf children True, so which would have been America I I think that might have been in New Zealand oh, okay I'm not sure when she worked I'm not sure when she worked as a as a teacher's aide mm-hmm. okay but um so yeah I think I think this I think it's done really well. It's possibly one of the first books that I read in which a central character had a disability. It's really because cool. They just weren't published as much when I was a teen. It is cool um, and it's it's like I I know I already said this, but for me it's <laughs> also really nice to show how people whose histories are often erased can have had happy endings. Like I know it's fiction. Yeah. But it's really nice to have a portrayal of a person with a disability in medieval England having a happy love story. Yeah, I mean, he has a hard beginning, but he it comes good. Yeah, he gets he gets to be with his wife um, in the town where they have. We don't we don't see their new life, but I assume that it goes well. I think that they I like to imagine them having a bakery. Yeah, I was gonna There's say, no does she have a craft? That, Do any of them have crafts? No, not necessarily. They can fix up a house um, real good. They can fix up a house real good. Um, oh my god, they're interior know, decorators. I don't I don't know how much call there was for interior decorators in the fifteen. There's always a call for interior decoration, Kira. <laughs> Make your life beautiful. Um, Check out the Conmarie method. Oh my um, <laughs> That's not what Conmarie's about. Think, I think my highlight... My highlight is the development of sign, which was really interestingly done. Mm-hmm. And I just talked about it. And then my sidelight is possibly the scene where they go fishing and Marn is like, oh, I am attracted to this boy. <laughs> What about him fishing um, is really attractive. He takes his shirt off and jumps in the water to try catch a fish because Marnie laughed at him that he didn't catch it the first because he ca- caught the fish and then the fish like jumped out of the boat and he, he and Marnie is laughing at him so he takes off his shirt and like jumps into the water and she's just like, "Oh, attraction." Oh, he's Shrexy. <laughs> Which is what I think in my head every time I'm attracted to someone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, what are we going reading next? Um, in two weeks, we'll be back with an episode on the Knife of Never Letting Go, a book by Patrick Ness. I'm currently listening to the audiobook of it while I enjoy my self isolation, social distancing time. And may I say, it's a very good book that I like very much. So I'm um, looking forward to discussing that with you. Very good. Um. We do the social medias and call it a day. Yeah, sure. Um, in the meantime, if you guys have any thoughts or anything you'd like to share with us about this episode, or if you'd like to suggest a book, you can find us on Twitter at ForeverYAPod or on Instagram at ForeverYAPodcast. We put up all the books that we're reading and about to read on Goodreads, which is also ForeverYAPod. If you would like to support the podcast, we have a Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash foreverypod. However, I understand not everyone has money. So if you would like to leave us a review instead, that would be really appreciated. You can do that on iTunes if you're podcasting. Sorry, I believe it's Apple Podcast these days. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatching platform you use if you don't use one that allows reviews you can like tweet it tell your friends you can tell your friends like in real life or over the phone probably and text because you the medical advice might have changed by the time this episode's going out (laughs) but hey social distancing is important we're i 
I really hope that the medical advice has changed by the 7th of April. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, you've made a note for of all those social media, I'm sure, dear listener. Uh, thanks for listening to us discuss a book. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Cool. Forever young adults. A good podcast where we review.